The message that I'm sharing, you have to lose it to find it, refers to life. Now, when you come to your home church, and you're thinking about the importance of delivering a word to the church, to Gateway, it would be pretty easy for me to get up here and just sort of carry along with a vision of some of the things you've been hearing and totally miss what God might want you to hear. But now, understand this. You are Gateway. You are the church. The message from God to Gateway is the message from God to you, His family. God is speaking to you not as an institution, not as some organization, but a living organism. You are a part of the great family of God. And I think it is critically important that you understand the importance of relationship with God and with one another. Because God says you can often and correctly measure your relationship with me by your relationship with one another. With others. The passage of Scripture that is my text. Jesus said, if you seek to save your life or keep it, you will lose it. But if you will lose your life for my sake, you will find it. If you want to find life, you lose it for His sake. Now, I just referred to us having a baby 42 years ago. I don't know why Betty picked up the high school annual this week. I don't know that I've even asked her. But for some reason, she was going through my junior annual, 1960. That is 46 years ago. I think maybe she wanted to show me what she looked like because she said, I can't believe you like me. And then she looked at me and she said, oh, you look pretty good. As a matter of fact, she saw me preaching in a video from about 25 years back. And she said, you were handsome. I said, oh, thanks a lot. I appreciate it. I don't know why she showed me this, but I just happened to flip to the back to see what a 16-year-old girl wrote to me. Now, remember what I said when I stood up and I quoted Jesus that if you want to find life, and i got to believe, by the way, for, you know, 25 or 30 years when I did citywide stadium and coliseum meetings, I would not preach at a church on Sunday morning. I said, I know Jesus said raise the dead, but I'm getting exhausted trying. I mean, it was unbelievable. When I would go in, people were there. I don't even know why they came. But they sat there like they'd swallowed a curtain rod. I mean, they were, there was a poker. It was awful. And I said, just let me turn loose in the city and find some people that are willing to listen. But I don't want to go in with that bunch of stiff necks, waste my time, and people think that's what they're going to get all week. I don't feel that way when I come to Gateway. So here's what I'm going to conclude about you, and I believe I'm accurate. I believe the vast majority of you have come here because you would like to experience life fully. And I've got to believe if you've been listening to Robert Morris and our entire pastoral staff, you want to express it freely. And I'm going to promise you this. If you want to experience it fully, you have to express it freely. Life is not something you get from God and hoard up. It's not a treasure you bury in the ground. It is a river of water and a river of life that you freely release to others. And when you get your focus beyond yourself, it is a clear indication you have likely gotten your focus fixed on God. Because He said, when asked what's the great commandment, He said, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. In other words, everything that's within you. Love Him with all you've got. And love your neighbor as yourself. Later, Paul followed that up and said, herein is all the law. All the Scripture, all the Word, fulfilled in a single statement. Love your neighbor as yourself. How much do you love your neighbor?
When I drove here this morning, I passed many homes. We talk about home builders. Many home builders in South Lake. No, there are a lot of house builders in South Lake. They build a lot of houses, a lot of residences. But Gateway is a home builder. Fellowship Church is a home builder. The Met Church is a home builder. Colleyville First Baptist is a home builder. The churches of the living God who have lost their life in His eternal purpose, they're the home builders. Moms and dads are home builders. We build homes with family. And you will only build a healthy home if you have started with number one priority being God is first. I have lost my life in His purpose. When Jesus said, lose your life for my sake, He didn't say go out and die. You'd be willing to die. What He's actually saying is He's saying, go out and live for me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Lose your life in my purpose and you'll find it. You're not going to find it by marrying the person of your dreams. Because they could be your worst nightmare if they're not in love with God. Our girls learned that if they didn't marry a boy that loved God more than he could ever love them, they would never be loved properly. Every girl in the entire school district needs to understand, I must find somebody in love with Jesus. I used to tell all the girls, when you go out on a date, put the New Testament down between you and your boyfriend. Because it takes much of a man to get through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John to get to you. Make up your mind. I am going to have Christ as the center of my life. I'm going to date someone who's made Christ the center of his life. Girls who make love to everybody won't be loved by anybody. Getting attention and getting affection is a far cry from getting love. Hear this. You say, well, where are we going to learn that? They learn it at home. Girls learn security because daddy loves mom. Daddy loves the little girl. The little girl doesn't have to crawl in the back seat of a car for some boy to tell her she's pretty. She's attractive. Daddy's been telling her that all her life. She knows she's pretty because she's daddy's girl. I realize there are homes here that are strained. There are marriages and relationships that are strained. When I can stand here and tell you that Betty and I have stood the test of time being married 43 years, you say, I guess it's just been rosy. No, sometimes it's hell. Sometimes we've been in a pit I dug. And my wife has helped me get out of the pit. I've been able to share not only my heart with my God, but with my wife. I wish everyone had that security. My wife has been the lifter of my head, the lifter of my, my heart. Thank God for her. We have been so blessed in our life, and I'm telling you, I'm about to read why. And I'm reading something that was written when she was just a girl. But listen to the last paragraph of what she wrote to me. I pray with all my heart that we will be happy the rest of our lives. I know we will. Let's remember that Christ is first before anything else. That means He was first before me. That means He had to be first before her. I'm telling you, I've always thought girls were pretty. I've, I've never been able to understand, forgive me, how boys can want to make love to a boy. Put their old stubby beard up against another guy's stubby old face and their hairy arms around his hairy arms. I don't understand that. I'm going to tell you, you don't need to pray for me in that area. You don't need to pray for God to set me free or deliver me. I'm free. Don't waste your prayer on that. It's not a problem. It's not an issue. Safe. 
But you know something, for people who are there, it's an issue. For people who are there, it's hell, it's tough. But I've always understood how a boy can be attracted to a girl. Don't think you're some kind of freak, boys, if you think girls are pretty. Don't think you're a freak if you pause too long in the wrong spot on the Internet. Look too long at a picture or a scene. The world is throwing everything it's got at you to get your heart and your mind. Satan has set everything he's got against your heart. He wars against your heart. He doesn't want God to have your heart. God made you able to recognize beauty. And girls are beautiful. But you know how we need to learn to pray? And this is how daddies ought to teach their children to pray. It's how we need to learn to pray. It's how granddads like me need to pray. God, give us a healthy appreciation for the beauty of women and not an unwholesome attraction to them. But now listen to me. When 70 to 90% of the men in churches confess to having a problem with porn, what does that mean? We've got a church full of freaks? No, it means we've got a church full of normal men with a normal attraction that the devil got a hook in them and took it a step over the line. So that suddenly pornography became the accepted mistress. And suddenly the wife is in competition. With competition with every billboard, with every image. And think about it, men looking at little children. Men preying on children. What is going on? I've never understood that. I don't understand man attracted to man, woman to woman, adult to child. I don't understand that, but it's a real sickness. But now listen to me. You're God's body. You're Christ's body. This is a hospital for the sin sick. Whatever sin, whatever sickness, whatever pit of defeat and despair, however deep, however dismal, however decadent, our God is on the edge of the pit. He's inclining His ear. He's saying, cry out to me. I'll lift you out of the pit of addiction, of perverseness, of sin, of defeat. And I'll set your feet on a solid rock, unshakable. I'll become a mighty fortress. I'll become a shield. I'll become an armor. I'll become a high tower. I'll set you free. That's my promise. I came to set the captives free. Why is Gateway and South Lake set captives free? Why are you on this earth? Lose your life in His sake. Let people know they don't need to be shamed by you. They don't need to live ashamed. Jesus took the shame. Jesus took the blame. Jesus said, I died that you might live. I'm alive to live in you. This is not fantasy land. This is not fiction. This is reality in South Lake. This is reality for the up and out and the down and out. But the whole world is waiting to see it. I look at all these homes. I turned the corner this morning off John McCain Road on the Pleasant Run that runs into White Chapel to come to 1709 South Lake. Past a home there. It's incredible. You ought to see it. My God, they started with the tennis court in the back. Built a house in front of it. Got a house out back. I know they're going to bulldoze. You can turn right and go the other way, and I'll show you where they tore down a $2 million house to build a $4 million one. You say, well, isn't that terrible? Terrible. I park out in front of that place and pray for those people. I say, what a yard. What a house. What a privilege. What an opportunity. Then you say, what else do you pray while you park there? I don't ever think, boy, I wish I had that. Now I'm wasting money. I don't think that way. I say, I just hope they know where it came from. God, I hope there's a home in that house. God, I hope there's happiness in that house. God, I hope there's joy in that house. God, I hope there's a relationship in that house. God, I hope the wife feels loved in that house. Not like she's in competition with every billboard and every internet. Caption and picture.
Oh, God, I pray. I pray with all my heart that, by the way, man, if you're going to love your wife like Christ loved the church, one of the greatest things you could do is go home and give her a covering from the feeling of competition. Women notice other women's eyes. I think, boy, I wish I had eyes like that. Boy, I wish I had hair like that. I just wish I had a figure like that. I mean, I used to look like a Coke bottle. Now I look like a Coke can. I mean, what's happened to me? I mean, I wish I looked like that. I mean, my goodness. Hey, you know one of the greatest things you could do for your wife? I watch women every week here in this church come in. There's no man sitting with them. When we had our little pledge offerings and first fruits offerings, I watched many women walk down these aisles and take their gift. I wondered, where's dad? Where's husband? I mean, I see people everywhere. So I can tell you and Betty are happy. And we really are. It's not phony baloney. You get around us all the time and be happy. I'd raise my voice sometimes when I shouldn't. I'm getting hard of hearing. She shouts at me sometimes. I said, you don't have to yell at me. She said, well, I said it four times. I said, well, just go easy on me. It's not going to get better. You've got to live with me a long time. I hope. I pray. I'm going to tell you something. You say that. They're a cute little couple. They're a happy little couple. You got that right. It all goes back to that girl saying, we've got to keep Christ first. See, folks, I'm old now. You know, I don't even think they have a class for old people like me at Gateway. I mean, I'm reading about Methuselah, so I kind of understand i got somebody to identify with. But let me tell you something. They're not a kid in this town. They're not a person in this town. By the way, I love the masters. I mean, I've been watching. Can you think how good God's been to me? I'm preaching on lose your life for Christ's sake to find it. You know what my number one sporting event of the year is? The masters. Do you understand what Saturday is? That's moving day. That's when everybody's moving up the leaderboard. And see, I've been blessed to play Augusta. Think about that. A little boy never had a daddy. I played more than 75 rounds of golf at Augusta National. I mean, I played nearly as many as Jack Nicholas, and he's nearly dead. I mean, think about it. <laughs> and I told Robert Morris, I said, I cannot believe I agreed to preach on the 8th and the 9th with the Masters. I said, God had to test me. Do you really love me? Have you lost your life for my sake, or you want to go home and watch God? I said, no, I'm going to preach, Jesus. You're first. I love you with all my heart, God. I'll videotape it. But God is so good. <laughs> Let me tell you something. I mean, you may think this is crazy, but I'm, t- I'm telling you, God's crazy about me. I mean, I'm, I'm, a real, I'm a kick to Him. I mean, I think He stays up late sometimes just to watch me and laugh. I am a hoot. He loves me. He's crazy about the kid that never had a daddy. He's crazy about the boy that wished he could have been somebody's best buddy, but he never had the daddy. You know what God did for me? He rained out the masters yesterday. Now, cool boys over there. I've watched every hope. I mean, those people over in Augusta, they don't understand that there's a little old boy without a daddy, a little old preacher in love with Jesus, and God watched out the whole tournament so I wouldn't miss a shot. <laughs> they ain't even playing now while I'm preaching. And I got up here, and this great anointed man of God, he had the last hole of the masters this morning on in the pastor's study when I got here. Shake, buddy. Amen. I mean, I'm talking to you about a God that is so crazy about you, there isn't vocabulary enough to describe it. You say, me? You. You. I mean, I don't care where you've been. I don't care how far you've fallen. You may come and say, James, if I told you what I think sometimes and what I do, you probably wouldn't want to talk. See, that's the problem with the church. The church is not like a family. I mean, if your kid gets in trouble, they need to know they can come home. 
They need to know that even when they're out in the pig pen, wasting all their dad's money, ruining their family's reputation, wasting everything that was ever given to them in the mire and filth of the pig pen, not even thinking about coming home. There's a daddy that walks out on the porch every day. Then he walks over to the edge of the porch. And then he sees the bend in the road and he walks down the dusty road. And he walks around the bend every day. He said, maybe he's coming today. Not so I can tell him what a bum he is, how filthy he is, and how he messed up the family's reputation. But so I can put a clean robe on him. So I can put a ring on. I don't want a slave. I want a son. I want family. See, that's what everybody in this church, and you need to hear it from God, not me. I don't care how far you've fallen. If you've been unfaithful, it's got to be like a knife in your heart. It would be like splitting the heart out of your wife or your husband or your spouse. But you've got to know this. God wants to put it together. God wants to put it together. Here I come from a home, the product of rape. No dad. Moved 17 times in 10 years. Lived on the back of a dump. Lived on alleys. No address. Drew a picture so the school teacher would know where I lived by referring to somebody that had an address. Then my drunk daddy comes in, thinks he kills my mother, tells me he's going to kill me, and I nearly kill him. If he had moved his hand, I'd have shot him with a thirty out 6 at about 20 feet right through the chest. I told him, I said, you move so much as a finger, I'm going to blow a hole in you big enough for someone to crawl through. And he sat there and cussed me until the police came and took him away. He stayed in prison until he signed the papers in prison for Betty and me to get married. At age 19, you had to have parental consent. And my drunk, alcoholic, hot check writing daddy in California prison signed the papers. That's my background. Betty was the all-American church girl. Grew up in church. Everybody thought she was perfect. I told her she's the original church lady. She's so sweet. <laughs> and yet Betty gets around this old scoundrel that never had a home. I'm talking about Jesus. Jesus so real to me one night on our date. I looked over and I said, Betty, Jesus is more real to me than the hair on my arms. He's more real to me than my skin. Betty said, he's not like that to me. He's just somebody I heard about. But there was a hunger in heart. Until one night I watched beautiful Betty after she taught her junior girls class, after she sang in the choir, after she walked up to the pulpit with her sister and sang a duet, went back and sat in the choir, the pastor preached. I saw sweet little Betty come down out of the choir. Turn around, she was saying, I want what that old boy's got. I want Jesus to be real to me. And a sweet little church girl met Jesus. And you see, God brought two people together. Not two perfect people, but two people in pursuit of a perfect God who loves us with a perfect love. And He loves you. Now listen to me. You may feel like you're the most defeated person. You wouldn't want anybody to know. You know what we Christians have as a real problem? We don't want to disappoint anybody. Especially if you've got a leadership role. Somebody thinks you did this. Well, we can't imagine you did that. Why do you think God wrote the book, the Bible, full of such great people who failed so miserably? He said, this is reality. See, this is the reality of man. It's a reality of faltering, failing, filthy flesh. Our problem is not our flesh is weak. Our problem is our flesh is too stinking strong. And it has literally got to be submitted to Almighty God. Do you know what your weaknesses are intended to do? To drive you to the adequacy of His strength. All of our weaknesses drive us to Him. I can't do it. Listen, I live in an iron lung. Have you ever seen anybody live in an iron lung? 
Ever seen anyone had to wear braces so heavy they could barely move them, but it was only with their little limbs to stay up? You're going to make fun of them. Look at you. You got braces. <laughs> I can't imagine anybody making fun of anybody like that. They're glad they got braces. I'm glad I got them. The person with the breathing apparatus, I'm glad I can breathe. You look at me. I want you to take one good look at me. I can't take one step without God holding me up. I can't take a breath without God. I'm totally 100% and unapologetically helpless without God. I am a zero with a rim knocked off. I am the most nothing you've ever looked at. But my God, what a mighty God I serve. What a mighty God I fall in love with. Not a God that shames me. A God that says, I'll cover you. I'm not anxious to expose your nakedness. I want to cover it. I want to take your sin as far as the east is from the west. I want you to walk out of here a new person. Now get this. He does not deliver you from the battle. He delivers you from the pit of defeat and sends you into the battle. And the battle is raging. The battle rages so intensely... All the fury of Satan is focused against the family of God. So you've got to understand you're going to war. Now listen to me. Did you see that the Rangers just lost their fourth or fifth games? And we were supposed to have a high-powered pitching staff. We sure got a high-paid pitching staff. We brought in the highest-paid player in the world they can't play. Got a little sawed off a run of a coach at the Mavericks, and they're winning. <laughs> Avery Johnson just full of God. You know what Avery called me to do before he came here to the Mavericks? And my, by the way, he called me two years before he was the Mavericks and said, I'm going to be coaching the Mavericks. I said, man, you don't even have a job. <laughs> I said, you ain't even here. He said, I'll be the coach. He said, you know what I want to do? He said, I'm going to have the entire NBA here in Atlanta later this year. I want to lock them in a hotel. Lock them all up, every player. Just lock them in. I want you to come preach to them. I said, Avery, I'm not sure that'll work right. They're bigger than us. I've seen you, Avery. That's the kind of heart Avery's got. They get the best out of the least. They're going to have to be a team. They still need another big, strong man. They need their big men to be big men. I'm not talking about Dirk. He's awesome. They still need a big guy. You say, well, what would make them just... What if they had Duncan? That'd help. We'd just get him. You say, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. What about the Cowboys? I mean, they, they're trying to get... What, what do teams do? What do the Rangers need? They can't pitch. I don't care if you score 10 runs, the other team scores 20, you lose. I mean, you don't have to graduate from South Lake High to know that. I mean, come on. Hey, what do they do? What are they trying to do to win? They're trying to find some more talented players. They're trying to find some time to see the big deal. They got a talented player in Terrell. But we need to pray for Terrell. You know, right after Terrell came and stood on the Dallas Star, made us all want to throw up. Really, I mean, I got a ways to go in my spiritual life because sometimes I just want to whip people. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I was driving yesterday. I was driving yesterday, and a guy nearly ran over me and honked his horn, and then he gave me his IQ with the middle finger. You know. I gotta be honest with you. You know what I wanted to do? I wanted to run him down, catch him, grab hold of that middle finger, and bend that middle finger clear to the end of his elbow. I wanted to give him a little lesson in grace. Now see, when I talk about fullness in the Lord, I mean, you know, I, I got, I got, you can pray for me, okay? You know, I mean, I, I'd like to be as spiritual as the rest of you. That's why I'm a member of Gateway. I want to catch up with you, alright? But what, what does a team do? 
The same thing we must do. You see, when you're losing, and by the way, Bear Bryant said, you show me a good loser, I show you a loser. Don't be a good loser. And I don't care how many times you've been defeated. Now you hear this. During World War II, the great statesman Winston Churchill, one of the greatest men who's lived in this century, one of the greatest men who ever lived, period. But a man that nobody wanted to be their leader except God. Winston Churchill stood up before England and all of Europe and the whole world, and he said, this is his speech. The whole world is listening. Never. 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 Give up. Hear this. You're in the bottom of the pit. You don't need more talented players. You need gifted, committed prayers that you can go to and say, here's my heart. And they won't step on it. And they won't expose it. If I told you the stories of all the famous preachers that you may know and people you've seen and what I know, you say, how do you know? I never wanted to expose their nakedness. I wanted to help heal their broken hearts. So I heard their hearts. Billy Graham's daughter spent the night in our home two weeks ago. Bunny. She says, everybody called me Ruth. She corrected me and Betty before she did a television program about four months ago. She said, it's Ruth. But then when she wrote a note thanking us, she's put, Bunny. I called Franklin. I said, Ruth wants me to serve on a board. You know Bunny. He said, oh, I don't call her Ruth. She's Bunny. She's been Bunny. She'll always be Bunny. She's Bunny forever. Franklin's her brother. Well, Bunny's in our home. This is the daughter of the most famous preacher that's ever lived. I've been telling you what a joyful life Betty and I have because of the grace of God. How beautiful our families are. The peace of God. The love that prevails. Grandchildren that we believe will pursue God and love God. Because that's the desire of their parents' hearts. We believe our children are better parents than we were. It's a marvelous story. People tell us, they said, James and Betty, if we never met you, we've met your kids. It's really neat. I'm glad. But here's the daughter of the most famous preacher in the world. She's been divorced three times. Her son called her and said, Mom, I'm in trouble. I need help. She said, well, well, son, well, son, go to the doctor. Mom, I don't have any money. Well, son, you got a credit card? I don't have a credit card. Mom, 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 it's Billy Graham's grandson. I'm hooked on drugs, Mom. I'm hooked. Mom. And then her older daughter has an eating disorder that nearly kills her. And then her younger daughter comes home one day. She says, Mom, I'm pregnant. She's a teenager. I'm pregnant. Mom, I'm going to have the baby. And they place the baby in a loving home. She comes home a couple of years later and says, Mom, I'm pregnant again. Here's Billy Graham's daughter. Divorced three times. Kid on drugs. Daughter having babies out of wedlock. And she's sitting in her den. She said, oh, God is so great. His grace is so great. She said, you know when you go home and you tell Billy Graham, your daddy's Billy Graham and you've got to tell him, you just blew it again, Daddy. And when Daddy's out on the porch and Daddy holds you. And you and Betty hold me. And she said, listen to me. I want everybody to know the grace and the freedom that I know.
And I looked at her and I said, Bonnie, the same anointing that's on your daddy, the same touch of God that's on Billy Graham is on you, Bonnie. You've got God all over you. You say, why are you telling us that story? Because so often you will sort of excuse yourself as being the untouchable, the unhelpable. No one reaches that place. You've got to know that God wants to cleanse you, lift you, lift you higher, and He wants to be lifted higher through you than you ever dreamed. I don't know where your journey has taken you, but I know this. And if you'll say, Lord, hear my cry. See, I was a defeated preacher. I got too busy for God. At the same time Betty's writing me this, I'm telling her that I love Jesus so much, He's telling me I'm going to preach to stadiums and coliseums full. And I'm telling Him, that doesn't matter because what I'm going to do, Jesus, is I'm going to come out here in the woods every day and I'm just going to tell you how much I love you. But I got too busy doing church stuff. I got too busy doing the work of God to really do the will of God. I left first love. I fell in love with success, the praise of men, the expectations of men, living up to what they wanted, living under a schedule rather than the will of God. And I became a defeated person. I wasn't kind. I wasn't nice. I was arrogant, hot-headed, mean, selfish, out of control. Couldn't control my actions, my appetites, my attitude. You say, why didn't you get right with God? Did you get caught in sin? No, I got arrested in sin. There's a big difference. I love what my friend Creflo Dollar says. He says, repent while it's still a secret. You say, why did you repent? I missed Jesus. I missed Him. He was my love. I'm an old guy now. I don't feel old. Some of you probably think, well, you don't act old. I love him. And I love people. I love children. We got eleven grandkids, but I got hundreds of thousands of little kids. Little kids that were dying six months ago and now they're smiling. People that were thirsty and now they got clean water. Little children that didn't have a home and now they have a home. You know what I want to do? I want to give every kid in South Lake a home, not just a house. That's why Gateway's here. The possibility of our church being connected to town square is because we ought to remind the people in the town square who the center of the town ought to be. The town center. A lot of people think town square is a town center. We ought to let them know Jesus has to be the center of everything. And unless you lose your life, it doesn't matter how big your house is, how big your budget is, how big your income is, how famous you are, how popular you are. If you haven't lost your life for His sake... You haven't found it. And when you do, you'll find it. You're looking at a dude that's full of life. God has let me see every dream I've ever had fulfilled. Every one of you say, how silly. Want to catch a 10-pound bass? Okay, i got a 13. (laughs) Betty said, I want one. Okay, 11 and 3 quarter. How's that? You say, that's nothing. Yes, it is a big deal to God because I wanted one. 
You see, if you delight yourself in the Lord, He gives you the desires of your heart. And if you're delighting in the Lord, your desires will be in line with His will. Every dream I've ever had has been fulfilled. All of them. But let me tell you something. They can all go tomorrow. One of the verses that I put in that bulletin for you to read, and you ought to read all those verses when you get home. You ought to thank God I didn't preach on all of them. You've been here till midnight. I can preach an hour on a period. But one of those passages says, Don't trust uncertain riches. This week you've been reminded it's tornadoes have taken big homes off the slab. All they got is the slab and the pipes. We saw what Katrina did to an entire city. Don't trust uncertain riches. Let me tell you something. I've got a lot of stuff, but stuff hasn't got me. That doesn't mean I can't enjoy it. The same passages I gave you says God gave you all things richly to enjoy. But if He's not first in your life, you can't enjoy any riches. You can't enjoy nothing. Am I getting through to anybody here this morning? Is anybody in this Sunday morning crowd hearing? Not me, God. God's talking to you. I may not sound much like Him, but I'm serious about it. Here's what He wants. He wants you free. He says He'll break the yoke. Set captives free. He wants you full. He said you shall receive power, the Holy Spirit. He said it's another one of me. See, the only way I don't want to break that guy's finger off is God put love in my heart. And believe it, I've, I've had that happen. I was witnessing to a bunch of boys one night and had my arm up here on the car door like this. I'm talking to a boy and he's starting to cry. And the boy in the front seat revs a high-powered car and pops the clutch. He nearly took my arm off. And I turned and I thought if I could catch him, I'd kill him. And as I was thinking that, God said, when I said, if I could catch him, I'd kill him. God said, Jesus speaking. I died for him. I stood there in the parking lot and I wept. I said, God, I want to be able to love the people I can't stand. And when I meet people I don't like, I submit to God and the next thing you know, I love them. By the way, Terrell Owens, right after he stood on the star, he just sent our ministry a huge gift to help us take care of little children. I kind of think maybe Terrell's coming back here so he could come home and find somebody that loves him, not for his ability, but because he's a person. You see, we need to get the family. By the way, some of you who are defeated and you want to be set free, you need to get somebody you can be accountable to. You want to win the battle of addiction in some area, you need to find somebody you can talk to. And you need to long for the day when you could tell every secret of your heart to your husband or your wife and it wouldn't shake them. It would just enable them to embrace you. But some of you may not be there yet, but that ought to be a go. But listen to me. You've got to find for your team effort, for you to win and not be a good loser, for you to never, never give up, you've got to go get a gifted prayer. Somebody you can say, here's who I am. See, you could tell me any trashy thing. Any trashy thing. I never will forget in Jerry Falwell's church, one of the most beautiful girls had heard me preach about lust and how lust had burned in my life and nearly destroyed me. And this beautiful girl, I'm telling you, she was drop-dead gorgeous. And by the way, when you're free, you don't get blind when you can't tell what's pretty. <laughs> she's standing here in front of me and tears rolling down her cheeks and she's holding my hand. And she's holding my hand just long enough to say something before we both dropped to our knees before the Lord. But standing there in the front of Jerry Falwell's church, she's holding my hand, she's looking at my eyes, she's gorgeous. She said, thank you. For the first time, I'm looking straight into the eyes of a man that I know from the time I was a little girl. 
You're not lusting after me. Oh, God. And I don't have lust now. Pray with me. And we dropped our knees. There's a little girl that was hurt by her beauty and then bound by it. And she found someone that would look at her and love her. You've got to find somebody like that. Hey, let me tell you one step better. You've got to be somebody like that. And let me just warn you, men, if you're a strong man and you minister to a weak woman or a woman that doesn't have a husband, beware of the soul connection. It happens immediately. That's why men in the church have got to be full of God and full of wisdom and full of His Spirit. But let me tell you something. We've got to be strong enough in the Lord that we can take the hand of the fallen and those in the pit of despair and express what? The body of Christ will lift you up. Help you walk on solid ground. So we're going to be free. We're going to be full. And we're going to be family. And we're going to have fellowship. And we're going to share that fellowship in this community. That's God's purpose for this church. You know what that means? It's God's purpose for you. Now all I want to know from you, there may be some of you here that recognize like Betty did, I don't even know God. He's not like my skin. He's, I don't know Him. I mean, I've been around church. I want to know Him. Well, you need to come this morning and share with one of our staff ministry members. You just need to come and say, I don't want to walk out of this building without walking out knowing Jesus in my heart. But then for all of you, now listen to me. For all of you here, you need to say, I want to agree with you. You know what God says? He says, you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, the way I sent him, and the reward of the prophet is yours. And you are looking at one blessed dude and one blessed wife. And I long for you to be blessed. You say, what does that mean? Forget monetary stuff. Don't be unwise measuring yourselves by people's houses and money. That's an abomination. It's blindness and bondage. You measure yourself by yielding to God and having His wisdom and His insight and His direction and His watch care and His love and spilling it. You say, James, I want that. I want to lose my life for Christ's sake. What I'm going to do is I'm going to come into agreement with you. And I'm going to pray that when you walk out of here, you're going to be committed to say, whatever it takes, I'll never, never give up. I know He's first. He's got to be first. And I will never, never give up until I find the person to connect with and become a healthy family member and I walk in freedom and in fullness. I'm going to find that. And if you'll say, that's where I'm headed. I'm not asking you about the trash in your life. I'm not even asking if there is any. But you may be hooked on food. You say, I just consume too much food. No food consumes too much of you. God wants to set us free from all that. He really does. He's not trying to fuss at us. He's trying to help us. And you say, well, I want it. Well, I just want to come in agreement with you and pray with you. So I'm going to ask those of you here, so, okay, God has really spoken to me this morning. There's some things He needs to do, and I want Him to do in my life. I want Him to be first. I want to be free. I want to be full. I want to be part of a family that shows people what Jesus is really like. And that's my commitment. And I really want it. And I need it. I'm going to admit, I need it. I'm not there. I need it. I want to go there. All I'm going to ask you to do is simply stand and say, that's what I want. That's my commitment. That's where I'm headed. And then I'm just going to have an agreement prayer with you when you walk out of here. That's where you're going to be headed. If that's what you want, I want you just to stand. Don't do it because somebody else does. Don't you dare stand up because you feel like, well, it's a trend. Jesus says, you follow me if no one else does. This is what I want. Some of you who are standing are going to need to come 
and tell some of our staff, today, I'm trusting Jesus. Some of you are going to need to come to some of our staff and say, I need to find somebody to connect to so I can be accountable. I need to be accountable. I want to be free. I don't want to live the way I have. And they won't shame you. I promise you. This church is not going to be in the shaming business. We're going to cover your nakedness and help you walk in free. And that's what you're going to help people do. Now let me just pray with you. Extend your hand up here like you were trying to take my hand. Those of you who are standing. Connected. Father, I connect with these people. I'm a helpless person. I'm not heartless. I'm helpless. I can't walk without you. I don't want to live without you. I want you to be the center of my life. God, I pray for every person extending their hand and opening their heart to you. God, I ask you to set them free from compulsion, from addiction, from bondage, from bitterness, from anger, from unforgiveness, from lust, from jealousy from hurt, from rejection. I ask you to set them free from every area of bondage. I ask you to break the yoke, remove the hook, and I command every foul, tormenting spirit to loose you and leave you right now in Jesus' name. You deceiving spirits, get your hands off the people of God. That's God's property. That's God's house. Get out. Get away. Leave them alone. Every foul spirit. And now, Holy Spirit, I ask you to fill every one of these people overflowing with your Holy Spirit. Would you just say after me, Dear God, You are my Father. Jesus is my Lord, my Savior, my friend. Now fill me with Your Spirit. Fill me to overflowing and release a river of life through me for Your glory. I lose my life for Your sake. For your purpose, in Jesus' name, amen.